This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so this week's Pasha, Pasha's Lech Lecha. Okay, so before we get to this week's Pasha, we're going to talk a little bit about at the end of last week's Pasha. Last week's Pasha says the following. It says the following. Vayikach Terech es Avram Benoi. Terach took Avram his son. Ves Lot ben Haran. And Lot the son of Haran, ben Beno. Esarai Kalasai, Eshes Avram. And he took Sarai, that time her name was Sarai, the, the wife of Avram. Vayetsu Oisam me'ur Kazdim. And he took them out of Ur Kazdim. Lolechas Atzer Kanan. Vayavayat Haran, Vayashru Sham. They didn't make it there at Kanan. And they remained in the land of Haran. Now, there's a very huge story that happened at the end of Pasha's Noah that the Torah does not speak about at all. And that huge story is from the word Or Kazdim. Or Kazdim means Or is the light, the fire, the light, Kazdim, of the oven. Something happened with a fire in an oven, but the Torah doesn't tell us what happened. Of course, Every girl in this room knows, and you all learned the story, and you all learned the Medrash, that Abraham Avinu, well, let's start from the beginning. Abraham Avinu's father had an Avaidazara store. He had a store that used to sell 54-inch TVs, cell phones, computers, internet, Blackberries, all the good things. And he had all kinds of different Avaidazaras. There was one for beauty. There was one for strength. There was one for money. There was one for brains. He had a crazy business going on. He had a chain store. And it says that Terach was a partner in his store with Nimrod. Nimrod was the king who started huge avoid de Zara because he had the ability, he was a great hunter. He was able to capture any animal. And I guess in those days, what made you great was your ability to hunt because Nimrod had the coat that Hashem made personally for Adam. And when he wore that coat called the Kasnas R, which is spelled with an ayin, the clothing of skin, which the Gemara, which is brought down that when Mashiach comes, that word in the Torah will be changed. I think the only word in the Torah that will be changed. It will be changed from an ayin to an aleph. Kasnas R, the clothing of light, instead of Kasnas R, the clothing of, of, of skin. But at this time, Nimrod had this clothing. He was able to walk up to a deer or any animal, and the animal could not smell him, and he was able to hunt, and he made himself into a god. Nimrod made himself into an Avaidazar. Now, it's very interesting, because this is the first Jew. Noah wasn't a Jew, and Adam wasn't a Jew. Avram Avinu was a Jew. So if we're going to learn, he was an Ivri. So if we're going to learn how to be a Jew, he's the first of the Avais, he's the one to look at. So, did Lubavitch get him? No. Did Eishat Torah get him? No. The partners in Torah get him? No. Who got him? Who was Makarev Avram Avinu? His father Terach? For sure not. For sure not. Did Gateways get him? No. Did Ornava get him? No. Did Breslov get him? No. What happened? What happened? Who got him? So the story we know, every little kid learns a story, but really it's not a little kid's story. It's a story for all of us. That Avram Avinu decided to step out of the box. The box is the place where you're just a cookie cutter. And you just follow what everyone, everyone's serving a Zara, I serve a Zara. Everybody has internet, I have internet. Everyone has a cell phone, I have a cell phone. What everybody else has, I have. I don't want to be different than anyone else. Abraham Avinu stepped out. And he went. His father left. He went on a trip. You all know, he went up to the first of Avayi He had a brain. He used his brain. And he went up to the Avayi of beauty. He said, Avayi of beauty, I'm not happy with the way I look. Could you make me more handsome? And the Abayi just stood there and did nothing. He said, no, come on, move my, you know, plastic surgery. Come on, you're, you're, you're the god of beauty. 
Right? You're Venus, Zeus, whatever. I don't know what the Greeks, whatever, God of beauty. Right? Nothing. He said, okay, this Avoid Zorah for some reason is not working. The battery pack's not plugged in. I don't know, it's not working. He went over to the next Avoid Zorah of strength. Avoid Zorah of strength. Give me muscles. Nothing. He says, let's see how strong you are. And he gives that Avoid Zorah of strength a slap in the face. And the stupid idol stands there and doesn't move. He says, this idol can't be strong. It can't even fight me. He takes a bat. Smack! Breaks off one of the idol's hands. The idol still doesn't move. This thing is not real. And he goes to the idol of brains, of smartness, and he says, what's two plus two? And it stands there like a golem. Doesn't answer. Five plus five. You know? Doesn't, he doesn't know anything. So, Aramavino came to the conclusion that these are just eights and vav on him. They're wood and they're stone. They're not real. They're nothing. They're representations that some crazy man made up and the whole world's following it. It's not real. So he went ahead and he broke every single Avodah in his father's store. Except for the biggest one. His father came home. His beautiful store his retail Avaidazara store, everything was in shambles. Ramavino, what, what happened here? He said, Dad, you should have been here. It was amazing. You see that big, that big idol? He got into a fight with every single idol in the room. And they were fighting, and he beat them to a pulp. He broke them all. He smashed them all. And his father said to him, What are you talking about? He can't do anything. He's a piece of stone. So Abraham Avinu to his father, Dad, you yourself are saying he can't do anything? How could you sell that? How could you sell things you know yourself that can't do anything? And Terach realized that he had a son that thought out of the box, that didn't accept what everybody else said. Beauty? Paris. Brains! Your GPA, your GPA in school, whatever, 3.0, 4.0, whatever it is, that means you have brains. You know things by heart, that means that you have brains. He didn't accept that, that that's what means you have brains. Beauty? Someone else decides what's beauty? He didn't accept anything. And he said, let me go out and find out what's really happening in this world. So he went out, says the Medrash, and the first thing he saw was the sun. And he said, oh, the sun must be God. You can't look at it. But the sun went down. Chagadja. And up came the moon. But then the moon went away. And he went through everything in Teva. Fire! You touch it, you get burnt. That must be God. Chagadja, water put out the fire. So water must be God. So the cow drank the water. So the cow must be God which some of Shugam in India still believe. And then the person went ahead and chopped up the cow and you had steak and he realized that God, you can't put God on a barbecue. So it can't be the cow, so it must be the person is God. And then he saw a Levi, he saw a person die and he said, that can't be God. And he went through everything, Nancy, everything in the world and he realized that nothing, none of those things, they each have a weakness None of them can be God, and it must be that one thing, one creator created all these things. Nobody taught Avram Avinu a thing. He didn't have a Rebbe, he didn't have a Malach, he didn't have a Torah. He went out, and he found a Kurdish Baruch Hu on his own. And there's a Machlaikas, if he was three years old, or if he was 75 years old, when Terach, his father, and Nimrod realized that this young boy is going to turn the whole world over, they were selling the whole world technology as God. And this one guy figured it out that the whole thing is not real. I was telling the boys last night, someone showed me, he was showing me a, a screensaver. You know, on your computer, you have, everybody has screensavers. So they have a screensaver of a thunderstorm. It's very cool. Bunch of clouds, then all of a sudden it starts raining, and then you hear it like thunder, 
and then there's, there's lightning across the screen. It's very cool. You have to pay money to get all these screensavers. And I'm sure you have the fish, you know, going through whatever it is, right? And he's like, that's godless. Godless. You could sit all night in your room and have a thunderstorm, right? It's amazing. Or you could sit in your room, you don't have to change the water, you don't have to feed them, and you got a bunch of fish going by. And those are the easy screensavers. So I said to him, Meshuganah, that's what you're getting excited about. That's not the real world. Two nights ago, wow, stepped out of Flatbush in that lightning storm. You want rain. You want to feel the rain. You want to see the lightning. You want to feel the thunder. Screensaver? Nebuch. You live by your screensaver? And that's what this world is turning into. A bunch of bricks and a bunch of the piece of wood and in this case, a bunch of digital little transistors or whatever they're called. And that's the world that we live in today. We don't know what the world, what the real world is. We don't go outside and say, where are you, Hashem? We live in this digital world, which I talk to you a lot about. And people are like, oh, come on, Rabbi, get with the program. You know? Embrace technology. The problem is that when you give a hug to technology... Right? This is the problem. Here's my technology. You give it a hug, it doesn't hug you back. I don't want to hug something that doesn't hug me back. I want to hug my kids and my grandchildren that can hug me back. No, embrace technology. It's out of hand. It's totally out of hand. I want to read you something from Aisha Torah today. Very nice. So um, I'm still trying to figure out how the Pasha talks about what happened in Chile with the 33 guys that were we're 200 stories under the ground. That's twice the height of the World Trade Center. Stuck for six weeks or eight weeks. Stuck for eight weeks. And the first two weeks that they were underground, listen to this, the first two weeks that they were underground, so the room that was made to save people underground, so they figured one or two people would get stuck. So they put 33 cans of tuna. There were 33 cans of tuna in that room. That room, but these 33 guys were stuck. Two Hundred stories underneath the ground. That room was smaller than the room you're in right now. For eight weeks. What happened was, the problem was, that for the first two weeks, there was no connection between the humans above ground and them underground. So the guys did not know that we even knew that they were stuck. So they went and they looked at how much food was put in that room. 33 cans of tuna. It was supposed to be for two people to live at least a month. The problem was there were 33 people stuck in that room, which meant that each guy had one can of tuna that had to last for two weeks. That's all the food they had for the first two weeks that they were in that cavern. One can of tuna. Amazing. We can't even understand what it means to be buried alive for eight weeks. They didn't kill each other. They didn't go crazy. How did you do it? We are religious people, they said. We are Christians. We spoke about God. We created a world we didn't think we'd ever get out of here. We created our own world with our own laws. We came out that if we are going to be saved, which they were today, one at a time, in a capsule, the size of every person in this room, that they had to lose 20 pounds, the circumference of 21 inches, the, 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 the size of the hole that they were pulled through, which was 200 stories deep, twice the World Trade Center, was the size of the top of my stender. 21 inches in circumference. This was the size they were pulled through. They put them in a capsule, one at a time, and for 15 minutes, they were pulled through the earth without being able to move in a coffin, sort of. And they made it. Why, Hashem? What? Why? This is a crazy miracle that the whole world is talking about and that is involved in. So many bad things happened. And who saved them? Who, who ended up coming up with the technology to save them, the, the guys in Pennsylvania 
who when the Pennsylvania thing caved in and they weren't able to save anybody, they were the ones who saved them. They learned from what happened in Pennsylvania to be able to save these 33 Chileans. So I'd like to read you a um, little bit that was written here by Esha Torah today by Rabbi Shragi Simmons. He says the following. As I watched the video of the Chilean miners emerging one by one from their tiny rescue pod, it's a crazy little thing that they came out in. I couldn't help but imagine that I was witnessing a birth. Chilean Health Minister Jane Manalach announced that each time a miner comes out, a siren will sound as a herald of the arrival of a moment as joyous as a baby's entrance into the world. The folks of Chile are strangers whose language we don't speak and whom we will never meet. What does this story have? Why does this story have the whole world riveted? Why do we care so intensely about them? I believe it is because deep down we all appreciate the tremendous value of life. Each individual is precious and beloved and an incredible reflection of God. And that is why the Chilean government used every resource to save these miners. Experts came from around the world, survivalists, dietitians, psychologists, specialists from NASA, drilling experts. Nobody questions the decision to spend untold millions to reach these 33 men, which leads to an inescapable conclusion. If we share the joy over the rescue of these 33 miners in Chile, then let's strive to feel the same joy over the 6 billion other humans with whom we share the planet. In the 40 ways, 48 Ways to Wisdom, Rav Noach Weinberg suggests that the tool for gauging our love for others, how do you do, instinctively react when a stranger walks into a room? Do you feel a surge of warmth? Or is your final response to hold back? Are you anxious to discover what he's all about? Or do you feel distance? And he ends up saying something that I speak a lot. Rav Nachman of Horenda says, If God came to a dead man and said, Rise from the grave and rejoice, imagine the colossal joy he would feel. Every moment with his family, every bird chirping, every breath is another gift. I have no question, and I'm not telling you to go online to watch. I didn't watch, I just saw it today. Someone said, you have to see it. The value of life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I have no question why Hashem did this at this time. We are so awed by technology and all the super stuff that's going on in the world. And today, the world is awed by 33 human beings being saved. And that's what we need to learn. And you you have to see when they come out, of course, everyone's crying. The wife and the child and everything, thinking that you lost your father. He was gone. They were gone. They were underneath the ground. I mean, you you know how high the World Trade Center is? It's twice that length in the ground. Gone with a can of tuna. And they're alive. And, and, And we don't realize it. Why do you have to fall 200 feet, 200 stories into the ground to appreciate life? Now, all of a sudden, everyone's talking about life. Can you imagine if you were in there and you came out? Can you imagine the first breath? Their eyes, they they put special things, sunglasses on their eyes because they're in the dark for so long that the sun will will, will cause huge damage to their eyes. And we walk out every morning and the sun doesn't cause any damage to our eyes. And we're living on the surface and we're able to breathe. Eight weeks in this room and the temperature in the room never changed. 90 degrees. Eight weeks in a room, half the size of this room, 33 people with a can of tuna at 90 degrees. Not this beautiful air conditioning that's blowing on you right now. 90 degrees. <coughs> so why did Hashem do this? So I, I looked in the Pasha. I'm like, you know, the Pasha always the Pasha always tells you what's going on. So I looked in the Haftar, I looked in the Pasha, I looked in the Dafyaimi. And it's in the first two words. Go for yourself. Get out of the ground. Today they got out of the ground. The sweet passion. Anything that happens, I was like, I got chills when I when I, I was like, I looked in the haftar, I looked all over the We don't appreciate it. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy with this. We live in it. We live in this. I went to went to a bris today. So my friends were all at the table. So you go to a bris, everyone's at the table, you get to talk to each other. Every single guy was on his Blackberry. 
Now, one guy was talking to the next guy. We used to make jokes and we used to make fun of the guy who's speaking, you know? Nothing. Every single guy, ten guys at a table, and when Nebuch was so sick. It was so sick. Every guy at the table living on those those digits that don't exist, those avoid desires that Avram Avinu smashed to pieces. It's dead. Girls, it's dead. Your phone is dead. It's not alive. It can't hug you back. It has no emotion. You're giving your life to something that's not living. It's a weak nothing. It falls into the toilet and it's dead. The battery runs out. It's not alive. It's not a person. We're so sick. It's this week's parasha. Avraham Avinu said to the world, you can't live with dead beings. Beauty is not a dead piece of stone. Brains is not a piece of stone. Hashem is life. He went outside and he touched every piece of life and he connected to Hashem. And we're so lost. I'm so angry. You're lucky. It's two, it's two days. Last night? Whoa. Oh boy, my boys got it last night. I have this vikuach with this girl. She's so sick. This is a girl, she, she's such a good kid. She has worked so hard on herself. She made so many mistakes as a, as a teenager. She went to Eretz Yisrael. She changed. She worked. She connected to Hashem. She went to the Kaisal every Friday night. She went to Kevin Rachel all the time. She listened to what I told her. She grew. She changed. She's a Tzadikista. She wants to marry a learning boy. She wants a Lakewood boy. She begged her friend, take my pictures off your Facebook. The boys in Lakewood, they're going to find out. I had friends, they're going to look it up. Take that picture of me and those guys on the beach. I'll never get a shidduch. I'm just, you're my friend, just take it off. You don't have a right, it's, I know you took, it's not my picture, it's your picture, but take it off. And this girl said, no, I'm not taking it off. Why? Because she decided that if a boy doesn't marry you, after looking at that picture and seeing how far you came, he doesn't understand your trip, he can't be married to you. She said, that's my decision, not yours. Take my picture off. No. So the girl called me and said, Wallstein, you got to talk to her. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to offer her money. I got to protect this kid. So I met with her. I don't talk about it because I'm not supposed to lose my... I worked my whole life on controlling my temper. So Wallstein is not supposed to lose it. Last night I lost it a little bit. So I met with her. I said, hey, come on. Come on, she worked so hard. She was even a madricha. Three years, leave her. Take the stupid picture. What do you need? What do you, what do you get from it? Take it off. I said, I know why it's there. It's there because you didn't change. So you want to remember the way she was to make yourself feel better. Sure. But I wasn't going to tell that to her because I want to stop my conversation like that. Uh-uh. So she wants to marry a Lakewood boy. She wants a guy that's learning. You understand if she sees this. So she says to me, Rabbi Wallerstein, the same story. If, if he doesn't want to marry her, knowing all that, then it's, it's just not a, she, she's paskening. It's just not a good shidduch. I'm like, you know what? That's her problem. She has the right to ask you. I'm asking you as Rabbi Wallerstein. I don't ask people favors. Very seldom I ask favors. I'm asking you a favor. Do me a favor. One day you might need me to do you a favor. Do me a favor. Just take the picture off. No. This is where I make my stand. No. I am not taking the picture off and the picture is not off. She's going to get it in the next world. Are you crazy? How dare you do that to someone else? Facebook. 
a great thing. It's, it's technology. It's the destruction of every single person. Because guess what? That picture that you post never gets erased. It never gets erased. Electronically, it, not only that, that even if it gets erased and the FBI wants to get involved, because this I happen to know for a fact, they can bring it back. And all your text messages that you erase, if they need to, they can bring it back. All the stuff that you delete, if it's really needed, the United States government has a technology to get back what you delete. Of course, they're not stupid. All crooks delete their stuff. They get it right back. No problem. That's technology. So that's, what are you doing? Where are you living? You're living in such a world that your friend, your friend is going to do this to you? Spoke to a group. I'm not going to say when because the people that work for me know where I go, so I don't want them to even know about this. And Avivit will be angry because she doesn't even know that I did this because she didn't set it up. There's a girl. I usually don't talk about what I deal with, but I'm going to talk about it. That try to commit suicide. Didn't make sense to anybody. It's a normal kid. Normal home. Not a depressed kid. Not clinically depressed. Why? To make a long story short, one of her friends took a picture of her on a beach, not with boys, whatever, the summer, I don't know exactly where she took the picture, and she was a, she's a firm girl, she was in a bathing suit, I don't know exactly, and she may have been laying in the sun, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a picture you want to show anybody. And it's, it's in a school where there, it's like a shtickle co-ed, I'm just going to say shtickle, whatever, you, you can understand already, boys and girls. So what happened, one of the boys got this picture, and he texted it to every boy in the school. And she walked into school one day, this innocent kid, right? And every guy that's walking in the hall to co-ed school, some of them are like, whoa, whistling. She's like, what? She's a quiet kid. What? And the other ones are laughing. What's going on? Finally, she heard that her picture, her private area of her life, was taken by somebody, by some guy who said, prank. Big deal, it's a prank. And sent it to every single guy. She does not want to live in this world anymore. She can't live in this world. Every single guy knows what she looks like in a bathing suit. She's done. She's finished. The boy who did it? He can never get into, into heaven. He's done. He can wear tillin and wear tzitzit and no gemara balpeh and keep Shabbos and eat kosher and, and be makar of 900,000 people. He's going to hell. He cannot get, he can't, I don't even know if he can get into there. Technology? Embrace it? Embrace it? Use it cautiously, sparingly, when you have to. It's a destructive force. Now, Red Wallstein, uh, you always talk like that. Open up any Time magazine, Newsweek, Reader's Digest, anything that the guy I'm writing, headlines, cyberbullying. That's all they're talking about. Kids using the internet and Facebook to bully other kids. I told you it was a Sutton behind this, but everyone looked at me like I'm nuts. Oh, Facebook, it's good, it's social, it's uh, now the guy I'm screaming, what do you do? What's the punishment? How much jail time for someone who cyber bullies other kids? And now uh, the guy who jumped off George Washington Bridge and the kid in the other state that because the mother they sent this email to everyone, she killed herself. And now all of a sudden it's coming out all these stories of people who are killing themselves because other people are taking their private information that those fools put online right to Show it to everybody. What does that have to do with what Ray Walton? Okay, very nice. What does it have to do with the Pasha? Oh, this has a lot to do with the Pasha. <coughs> so now let's talk about Orkazdin. So Avram Avinu found God and he jumps. Well, he didn't jump. 
they actually catapulted him, catapulted him into the, into the Kifshan because within 10 mil, within 10 miles of this fire, anyone who got near it died. So they didn't know how to get him into the fire. Every guy that wanted to bring a bomb to the fire died. So they put him into a catapult and they shot him in the air like the Romans and the Greeks used to do. 10 mil, and he fell into the Kifshan of Asia. And of course, we all know, nothing happened to him. And he came out, and he was much more powerful, because now everybody who believed in Avodah Zohar, and not in mono, that there's one God, all of a sudden said, hey, this guy got saved, there's one God. So he became much more powerful. Amazing. Avraham Avinu didn't even know Hashem. Until this point, he actually walked into a fire, God never spoke to him. Was like Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Moshe, from the snare. He never heard from Hashem. He came to a conclusion that there's a God. God didn't talk to him. Nothing. Amazing, right? Jumping into a fire. So amazing, everybody, the Torah decided they're not going to talk about it. If I don't tell you this medrash and you learn Chumash, you will never know that Abraham Avinu was thrown into a fire. Because the Torah doesn't say about it. The Torah hides it from us. It tells us the whole story in two words. Or Kazdim. If you don't teach medrash, you don't learn medrash, he went to Or Kazdim, a nice little town. Why would the Torah hide this amazing thing? He jumped into a fire. Right? What did the Torah talk about? This week's parasha. Okay, first meeting, imagine. The whole world does not believe in God. You set, you're 75 years old and you found God. And you're going around from corner to corner and you're talking about God and you're talking about Hashem and how great He is. Now, Hashem has decided to speak to you for the first time. Hashem said to Avraham, I love you. You're special. I will make you into a great nation. Right? That's what he says later on by the wristband of Sarim. I will take your children to Israel. Uh Uh-uh. The first thing that Hashem tells Avraham Avinu, his first discussion with Hashem is, Vayayma Hashem al-Avraham, lechlecha. You found me? Get out of here. Hello? That's the opening discussion? Nancy. You found God, and the first thing he tells you is, Nancy, you found me? Get out of New York. You're like, hey, hello, Hashem. I'm like, I found you. Like, a blessing, a big house, I don't know, some money, some good stuff, you know. Everyone else is against you, and I found you. What's going on over here? That's how the Torah starts. The first words, Hashem should have said, oh, amazing. You jumped into a fire for me? Amazing. No. He called Moshe the first time, Moshe Moshe, which is a Lushan Chiba, a Lushan of love. Over here, get out of your country, your birthplace, your father's house, and I'm going to make you to a big great nation. And guess what? It's so exciting that we named the parasha Lechlacha. I'm sorry, you should have named the parasha Or Kazdim. He jumped into a fire. Come on. I mean, if God walked into this room right now, said, Rabbi Wallerstein, it's time to leave Brooklyn. Leave Brooklyn. Oh, come on, Hashem, I can't. I, I, I got a family. You can take your family. He took his family, his wife, his kids, all the people he made in Charon, Lot. Hashem didn't tell Avram you have to leave by yourself. He said you have to leave the place. Take your family with you. Go to Israel, Sarah, with everybody. So, Wallerstein... Leave Brooklyn, take your family. But, but, but Hashem, Ornava. What am I going to do with Ornava? I can't leave, right? He took his base Yaakov with him. He took his Ornava with him. Take Ornava with you too. But, but Hashem, my bank account. Yeah, all my gold bars, my cash, and all my stocks. That's called Rechusham. Take all your money. Take your money. And, says Hashem, Zechariah Wallerstein, if you leave, I promise you, you're going to have children, you're going to be the leader of the world, you're going to be rich, and a whole nation is going to come from you. Hold on. You want me to leave New York? And if I leave, I'm going to have a family with children, a Maserati, a huge house, and money. This is amazing. I'm out of here. Girls, you want to come? Let's go. Yalla. We're out of here. That's a test. The test would have been if Hashem would have said, you have to leave, 
And I'm telling you right now that you're gonna be, it's going to be miserable. And you're not going to know anybody. And you're not going to have any money. And I don't even know if you're going to have children. And I went, anyway. Ooh, that's a test. This is not a test. You're promising me that I'm going to have all this. So what's the test? Hashem didn't tell him where he's going. Who cares? Right? Everyone says, says I'm going to take you to the, to the land that I'm going to show you. I'm not telling you where I'm taking you. Ooh, now it's a big test. Really? Shem comes in the room and says, listen, I'm not telling you where we're going. 85 degrees every day and sunny. <laughs> Blue waters and white sand. A beautiful house. Beautiful children and a beautiful family. Beautiful cars in your driveway and a beautiful, everything's going to, and a yeshiva for your kids and whatever you want. And palm trees. And a container. A band of soleil to lay in the sun. You don't know band of soleil. Copper tone. Whatever. <laughs> Hashem, I don't care where you're taking me. I'm going. It's Honolulu. It's Miami. The Cayman Islands. I don't care what, it said, what it's called. If you're telling me what's going to be there, I'm there. So, so the Hashem didn't say Eretz Yisrael. But Hashem said all the Pratim. You're going to be a big nation, and you're going to be healthy, and, and all the beautiful things are going to happen. So, I, so what's the big test that he didn't say, Eretz Yisrael? He told me, you know, it's sort of like you get one of these things from the tourist things, and it says all the things that are going to be there. It doesn't tell you where the place is. I don't care. I'm there. Just pack my suitcases. And on top of that, what's the game? Why didn't Hashem tell him? What's the game? Ha, ha, I'm not telling you where you're going. What is this? Why, why don't you tell me I'm going to Eretz Yisrael? You're playing a game with me. You're telling me that I'm going to have a good life. So tell me, what Eretz Yisrael? What's going on over here? So one answer. So first of all, I say this every year. So there's two answers why the Torah doesn't talk about Avram jumping in the fire. Number one, if the Torah would make a big deal about Avram jumping in the fire, we would think that the Jewish religion is based on committing suicide for God. Avram Avinu, the first one, jumped into a fire. I want to be a good Jew. I'm jumping into a fire. Wrong religion. That's the Muslim religion. Muslim religion, you say, whatever, I'm a jeff, or God, and you blow yourself up. That's that religion. That's not our religion. Our religion is the opposite. You don't die for God, you live for God. And living for God is much, much harder. Because to die for God, everybody, takes a moment. To live for God takes a lifetime. Every day, I got to make a bracha. I got to say modani. I got to eat kosher. I got to dress sneers. I got to keep Shabbos once a week. I got to keep yontif. Ooh, that's hard. Jumping into a fire? One second, goodbye. Hashem's not interested in that. So the whole story about Brahm jumping into the fire didn't make the Torah. That's not Torah. Torah is not committing suicide. And you know what? Interesting. Hashem taught that to Avram again by the Akedah. Avram wanted to kill Yitzchak for Hashem, the ultimate sacrifice. And Hashem had to say twice, don't kill him. What's going on over here? Hashem was telling Avram Avinu, sacrifice and killing another human being, that's not the Avodah. The Avoidah is that Yitzchak should live and should have Yaakov and they should be Shvatim. Avram Avinu knew jumping to a fire. He knew how to serve Hashem jumping to fire. But do you know how not to jump into the fire and serve Hashem? That was Akedah's Yitzchak. It wasn't the killing of Yitzchak. It was the tying down of Yitzchak. And not killing Yitzchak brings down all the Mephoshim was much harder than killing Yitzchak. Because he already, he already gave it all up. He already had the whole sacrifice in his head. And now Hashem said, that's not serving me. He grabbed the sword. He knocked it out of his hand. That's not serving me. People think that Judaism is painful, restrictive. Chas v'shalom. Our religion is just the opposite. Our rabbis have a law that they're not allowed to be without a wife. If chas v'shalom, a rabbi, a head rabbi, his wife dies... You have to give him another wife right away that he should never be alone without a wife. 
In the, in, the, in the Christian religion, a priest is not allowed to be married. It's just the opposite. He's not allowed to have children. He's not allowed to get married. That's not our religion. Get married. Love your wife. Have shalom bias. Have children. Live as a Jew. Not as a cell phone. See, I was born B.C. <laughs> Before cells. I got a different life than you guys. You know, BC stands for before cells, before computers. So I'm like from a whole different world. No, but on a, on, on a serious note, because Baruch Hu wants us, and this is the problem in our day and age, and I, I speak about it, of course, it's not gonna, I'm not going to change anything. What's this deal with marks? I just told it to a big rabbi today. I said, you give a mark on Gemara. Right? You give a mark on Gemara. Gemara is a subject? Gemara is not a subject. Chumash is not a subject. The girls that went through school here, and I'm sorry, I know there's some girls from Baragola and your teacher going to be angry at me, but Torah is not a subject that you can mark. I'll give you an example. So the boys are learning a Gemara. It's called Eli Metzius. If you find something in the street, right, you find a wallet in the street, you have to return it. So if it has a simon, if it has a person's name, you have to return it. If it doesn't have a simon, you don't have to return it. So money... If you find a $10 bill, you never have to return it. Because even if the person wrote their name on it, then it doesn't mean anything because they wrote their name and then everyone would write their name on it. Then you go spend it and you go shopping and then you come back and say, hey, it's my money, it's my name on it. So money has no simon. But everything else usually has some sign that the person knows that even if it's a headband and there's two people that have it, but well, my headband, one of the pearls cracked off. So you have to return it. So here you have these two kids in school and they're learning Elimitius. One kid knows the Gemara inside out, Rashi, Toysis, by heart. Gets a hundred on the test. Hundred! Goes home, what'd you get on your Gemara test? A hundred. Other kid, Navachik's not so smart, he gets a forty. The two of them go into the street. One of them is walking down Avenue J. He finds a Yankee cap. Hey, Yankee cap, World Series cap. It's mine. It's Avenue J, but you just learned the Gemara. That it has a simon, there's an X in there, whatever, there's a simon, so you gotta put up signs in all the shuls, found Yankee Cap on Avenue J, did anyone lose it? Put it out in the Jewish press. This kid's, are you crazy? I'm not doing that. I'm keeping it. Now that's the kid who got the hundred. Now the kid who got the forty, he's walking down the street, and he finds a cap, and he's freaking out. Oh my goodness, we looked in the Gemara, oh my goodness. He goes around to every shul, he puts up signs in Bottle Park and in Flatbush, and maybe someone from Queens, so he puts signs in Queens. And he starts going from house to house. Did anybody lose a Yankee cat? And he gets his parents to spend $400 and put in Lost and Found in the Yated, in the Hamodia, in the Jewish Press, in the, in, in, in the Mishpacha, in the Bina. Anyone who lost the Yankee cat? Because he learned his Gemara, you have to return it! And he got a 40 on his test. He's a failure in school. And the guy who got 100 is wearing the cap on his head. So who got the 100 and who got the 40? Who's passing Gemara and who's failing Gemara? How dare you give a mark on Gemara? How dare you give a mark on Halacha? Yeah, she got 100. She knows all Lama Tess Malachas. Inside out. Yeah, valedictorian, 100. Meanwhile, she's texting her friend on Shabbos at 2 o'clock in the morning. She's Mechal Shabbos. Her parents don't know. She knows Lama Tess And the poor kid who got the 40, she's so careful on Shabbos how she keeps everything. She makes Kaylee Shaney, Kaylee Shlishi. She's so excited what she learned in school. She's going to fail. And they're going to write on a report card, she's not a good student. How do you know she's not a good student? You follow her home and see if she keeps Shabbos? How dear yeshivas put marks on this holy Torah? What's a mark in Torah? Math, biology, no problem. It's a subject. Torah is not a subject. This is what it became. I, I can't change it. I can talk to you, and if you're a teacher, the marks are not important. It's so not important. I know guys... That were the best students that are going today. They don't keep anything. And I know guys that couldn't pass the test that are the best religious, best guys in the world. How dare you test someone on the tire? The tire is not a test. You'll never see in the tire that Avraham Avinu got 100, or Yitzhak got 100, or Yaakov got 100. 
Asa probably got, would have gotten a better mark than Yaakov. He was much smarter, it says. I get excited because it's, it's, it's so corrupt. So corrupt. But, yeah. but if we don't give tests in our school, then no one's going to send their kids. Then it's not a real school. Then we're going to lose all our kids. They're all going to go to the other school. So the other school has to give 10 tests. But if I want them, I gotta give 20 tests. And then I gotta give 30 tests. And the poor kid is walking into walls at 2 o'clock at night because they can't see straight. And then of course they hate the Torah. And they hate Yiddishkeit. And they hate everything that they're growing up with. Because God and His Torah became a subject. And I'm not doing well in that subject. We're totally... That's not how Abraham Avinu found Hashem. So therefore, why is this Pasha called Lech Lecha? So the most important thing that a person needs to know in Judaism is that for you, listen carefully, for you to reach your destination, you must leave where you're at. If you stay where you're at, you can never reach your destination. So the first thing that Hashem told Avram Avinu is Lech Lecha. You gotta get out of where you are. Period. And therefore, listen carefully, the Torah specifically doesn't tell us that Hashem told him to go to Eretz Yisrael. Because that wasn't important at this point. The first step has to be to step out of who you were. And therefore, if the Torah said, I want you to leave here, and I want you to go to Eretz Yisrael, then we don't know what's, what's the important part here, leaving here or going to Eretz Yisrael. So if, the, if Hashem would have said, not to the land that you're going to find out, Hashem would have said, leave where you are now and go to Israel, we would all think, oh, the main thing here is that you go to Israel. That wasn't the main thing. And therefore, the Torah says, Asher Echa, that part is not important. The important part, girls, is the lech lecha, is the leaving who you are and who you were and step out of this place that you are stuck. And we are so stuck. All of us, including me. We're so stuck. We can't get out of what we are and what we have become. We are stuck in, that, in those phones we have no life. We're stuck in this technology. It's dead. We're living in a dead world. Apple's world. The dead world. How do I know it's dead? Because anything you can turn off is dead. You can have a picture of a Wallerstein. You shouldn't. On your computer. And you can kill me in a second. You just flick the switch and it's black. He's gone. Geschmack, no? Everyone you don't like, put pictures on your screen and just keep flicking it off. <laughs> ha ha. It's a dead world. Yeah, it's very funny. It's, it's not real. You can't go outside and say, okay, okay, thunderstorm gone. My friend's walking around with this new screensaver. He's playing God. <laughs> the middle of a thunderstorm, he's like, I'm gone. Watch this. Flicks the switch and it's all dark. No rain, no thunderstorm, nothing. Only God can do that. No, you can do that on your screens. It's not a real world. We're so stuck. I gave a share in my seminary while I was giving the share 40 minutes. There's girls sitting there and they're texting in front of my face. No, what's ha? What's the ha? What's the ha? But you, you think if I wasn't screaming right now about it, there wouldn't be 20 people in this room looking at their phone? They may not be texting, but we got to look at our phone because every 10 seconds, maybe someone sent me a text. Baruch Hashem, we turned off our Blackberries so I don't have to listen to ensure that, you know, that, that sound of when you get that instant message, you know, whatever that sound is, right? And then each guy has a different sound. You know what that means? You know what I call it? It's called the new heartbeat. No longer when you go to the doctor and you put a stethoscope on your chest to listen to your heart, right? He just checks your Blackberry, sees it working. She's alive. Every three seconds he goes, doo -doo, doo -doo. Right? she's alive. So stuck. Let me tell you how stuck we are. I hate to do this to you because you're women. You're not going to like what I'm about to do. I was actually going to do it in front of you, but I realized that that would, that would not fly. 
So in the old days, mouth traps, right? So, so you put a you, you put a little piece of cheese in the mouth, right? Went for the cheese, and they had this metal thing, Nebuchadnezzar. But but as bad as it was, it, it's fast, right? You have that thing that goes bang, right? Right in the neck, dead on the spot. I've seen it happen. Dead on the spot. That thing never had a chance. Just snaps its neck. Boom. Right? But today, nah, that's, they don't do that no more. Now they have glue traps. You put the glue traps all around the room, and the little mouse, never, the little guy, right? He's running a court because they, they run along the perimeters of the room, not through the middle of the room. You don't need to know that. But anyway, so they put the glue traps around the perimeter of the room. You ever see a mouse dying in a glue trap? I did. It's mamish tzabalachayim. It, it, gets, it gets onto the glue trap, and usually, so they fly. Like, they're really fast. So, so usually, the back feet, as it's coming across the glue trap, that's what gets stuck. But the front feet are still free. So this little mousey, Nebuch, this little guy, he's trying, to, he's trying to get off the glue trap, right? And the more he tries to get off the glue trap, the front feet start to get stuck, one at a time. And then all of a sudden, like, like he's going like this, and then it's like stuck, and then he's like this, and then that's stuck. And now all four feet are stuck, and Nebuchadnezzar's poor little thing, its body is moving, it's trying to move, and then its belly gets stuck, and then it's just stuck, and the poor thing, Baruch Hashem, they put poison on them, and it takes a couple of hours or a couple of minutes, and this poor little thing dies. Looking from the other world, that's what we, we all look like. A bunch of little rats running around, and we get stuck, and then we get more stuck, and then we get so stuck that you can ask a girl, take the picture off. This girl with your friend, she wants to date a Lakewood boy. Take the picture off. She's so stuck in the glue trap. She's so dead. She's dead. No, I'm not taking the picture off. You're a dead rat. You start off, eh, it's a little bit, oh, I'm on my phone and my text. You, start, you still can move, you still can move. And slowly but surely it envelops you and it envelops you and it envelops you. Every girl starts with the regular phone, with the Blackberry, now it's the new thing. Right, the iPad, you can turn it over and it keeps turning. Now you think, you know, new Bria. Right, it's the iPad, it does everything. Someone told me today that one day you can actually eat on the iPad. I'm serious, in 10 years. And you can pay for what you're eating and order it, right, because it's on the iPad while you're eating. It's a new thing. And, and... That's who we became. Says Avram Avinu, says Akkadish Baruch Hu, I'm naming a parasha, Lech. Get out of this. Lech spells lecha. It's the same word. Lamid chaf. Get out. Lamid chaf. For you. Same word. Lech and lecha is the same word. It's the same word. Lech lecha. It could have just said lech. Go. You should know Hashem saying, get out of what you're stuck in. It's for you. It's not for me, says Hashem. Because if you don't leave where you're at, you can't get where you're going. Don't ever forget that. You got to leave where you're at. You got to make changes. Well, you're just a mouse in a glue trap. And you're just going to get more stuck and more stuck and more stuck until you're not alive anymore. There are a lot of zombies walking around out there. You can sit at a table with all your friends and nobody's talking to each other. You can sit at a table with your family and everybody's on their... On their mm-hmm. You can sit in the toilet and be reading your emails. Which is not even healthy because your body function, your brain. No, serious. It says it says in Shulchan Aruch when a person sits in the bathroom, they're supposed to sit quietly. You're not supposed to be reading and talking because it's not good for your body. It says it about the shaksu. It's not good for your body. It's it's much not good for your body. Forget about reading and, 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 and while you're driving, chas or texting while you're driving. You're you're a mouse in a, in a glue trap. You you can't get out. It's got you in the car. It's got you in the kitchen. It's got you in your room. It's got you in the bathroom. It's got you everywhere. They're coming out with one that works in the shower. It's waterproof. Yeah, you can take a shower and talk to your friends while you're taking a shower. How they're going to understand you? Blah blah blah. I don't understand, but whatever. You understand? You know? Who knows? Maybe they'll come out with a shampoo for blackberries. I don't know. <laughs> who knows? It'll be in. Everyone will buy it. It'll be in. Everyone will buy it. I was talking to my girls today. I'm like, Rabbi, Rabbi Freeman's going to come in. After my shir, by the way, he used to speak before me. Now he speaks after me. And he's amazing. So when I finish in two minutes, Rabbi Freeman's going to come in to give a shir. So whoever's staying should stay. Whoever's leaving should not leave. 
and he'll be he'll be here in two minutes. So anyway, I'm, I'm you know I, I talk to my girls, I talk to them a lot, and 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 one of the other things that lechulcha is music, and and you know a lot of people walking around today. I'm like, you know, can I hear what you're listening to? You know, we all have iPads, iPods, whatever. And we stick them in our ear and we, we, we exercise with them, right? Why are you exercising with stuff? Exercise, take some breath, take some fresh air. You know, you're outside, take some fresh air. Why do you have things all over your ears and your eyes and everything else? I watch women walk in the morning. They're walking in the morning. The walkers, we call them the walkers. Early in the morning, they all walk. They're all walking, reading their stuff. What, what, what are you doing? Walk with your head up. You're not a dog. Dogs walk their head down. You're a human. Humans walk with their head up. Put your phone away and walk and look at the world. Maybe you won't bang into the stop sign <laughs> if your head's up. So I'm just trying to figure out why our generation, right? Our generation is into, not you girls, of course. I'm not talking to you girls. But so many girls are into listening. And it seems to calm them. Very angry black men singing in their ears. What, what is that? Why are you exercising and relaxing with some guy screaming, kill your mother, <laughs> then kill your brother, then kill another. Oh, Rabbi, that's rap music. That's good. And you have this Jewish girl with a Jewish neshama, right? And she's exercising. We're all walking, and she's listening. to you, just, you can hear it across the street. Like, I'm running. She walks past my car, I lock the doors. <laughs> What's coming out of her ears? So why? Why are we listening to angry people scream? You know, if, if your parents scream at you, Ma, don't raise your voice. Your teacher screams at you. Hey, that's abuse, don't raise your voice. But some black guy screaming at you in your ears at, at, at a crazy volume, and that's music. So how did that happen? And the answer is, because there was no lech lecha. Look at this week's parasha. What does the Torah tell us? He says, take your family with you. Take your rechush with you. Leave the culture that you're stuck in, that Paris tells you what to wear. You understand? And Hollywood tells you what to watch. And some studios tell you what to listen. You can't be a Jew and you can't come close to Hashem unless you leave where you're at. And we're at this culture, this basement culture that we live in. And the Torah is telling us that the, the, the beginning of Judaism, Avram Avinu, is not orchestum. Stop with the jumping into the fire business. That's not Jewish religion. The Jewish religion is lech lecha. Get off the glue trap. Get out. If you don't get out again, you can't get where you need to be. That's this week's parsha. And Lot, who left with Avram Avinu, if you look at the Pasuk, why did Lot turn out so rotten? He also left. And he ended up in Sodom. Because if you look by Lot, it says that he left. Listen to this, amazing. I'm ending with this. Avram. Listen carefully. This is the end of my shir. And this wraps the whole thing up. It's Pasuk Dalet. Repeat this to Shabbos. Avram. And Avram left. Now the Pusik says something he doesn't need to say. Hashem. He left the way Hashem told him to leave. Why do you have to tell me that? Hashem told him to leave. Avram, he left. Hashem told him that when you leave, leave it all behind. Don't take it with you. Says the Pusik that Avraham left it all behind. His music his fashion, all the stuff that he came from, he left it all behind. Listen to this. Vayelech ito lot. Vayelech ito lot. It went with lot. Lot did not leave it behind. He said, I could be a good person, so I do all this stuff. But I'm also learning. And I'm also going to Dafyaimi. And I can listen to all this garbage music. And I can do all this. Light left, but he took the old Lot with him. And he ended up in the worst place in the world. 
You can't get where you're going unless you leave where you're at. Have a good week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.